You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks podcast. I'm Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Earl Foote, who's the CEO at Nexus IT and just an awesome guy with an amazing beard and hat. Earl, it's great to have you on the show today. (laughs) Hey, Garrett, it's such a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, Totally my honor. Hey, we are super excited to have you on the show and super excited to dive into this topic too. And I, you know what, Earl, I just feel bad for those who are just listening to this and not watching the video. So if you're just listening, you got to come find the video and just admire how great Earl looks with his hat and his beard. I think that that's one of the first things people notice about you, right? Is (laughs) that awesome look. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate that, man. Um, definitely. I guess, uh, I've got a personal brand. It certainly ties to the, uh, uh, my alter ego, the, the rock and roll side of, of me that, uh, you know, I do play in a rock band. Um, and so, uh, yeah, um, I am maybe a little unconventional sometimes for your standard tech CEO, right? <laughs> no, we love it. We love it. That's we love when people can just kind of be themselves and sounds like we're going to have to dedicate another episode at a future time to just talking about the rock band experience, but you know, yeah, we'll see, see how much of that we get today. So Earl, it's great to have you here again. Why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit more about you and what you do and also your company, Nexus IT. Yeah, sure. Um, so I have been an entrepreneur for uh, going on about 24 years. Um, uh, I started Nexus IT at 23 years of age. So I've actually now been doing it more than half of my lifetime. Um, I'll be 47 in a few weeks. So um, awesome. uh, 24 out of my 47 years um, have been uh, as an entrepreneur. I've had other ventures, still have some other active ventures and different investments and things like that. But you know, my, my primary focus over the last two and a half decades have, has been Nexus IT. Um, uh, I didn't study business. I, you know, I studied civil engineering and um, ended up in uh, in technology as an entrepreneur, and um, have definitely taken my lumps uh, along the you know along my my pathway and my road, and um, have had a you know a, a great journey of learning. Uh, and a lot of really important people have taught me lots of important things over the years that has contributed to where we are now in our journey and, and, you know, significant success and momentum, um, at the moment. And, um, you know, that's all really exciting. Um, we, uh, as an organization, uh, we help take, uh, it and cybersecurity off the plates of senior business leadership units so that they can focus on their, their core business and growing that. And, uh, you know, refining their operations and we, we manage all their technology, cybersecurity and compliance behind the scenes so that, uh, um, they don't have to deal with it. Um, and we do a pretty damn good job of it at, at yeah. it actually, you know, um, we, we actually get quite a few awards and things because we work hard. We have a team that cares, yeah. deeply cares about, you know, making sure that we take care of our clients and that we take care of each other. And, and, uh, as such, um, you know, I, I think we've, we've created a winning formula that we're scaling, you know, quite fast and, um, having a good time in the process. It's awesome. I love it. And, you know, I'm super excited to dive into, you know, that wealth of experience that I know you have in just the learnings of growing this team over the last little bit. And I can totally see why, you know, Nexus IT has, you know, had a lot of success, especially recently. I mean, that that service is so important for really any business today, right? I mean, you don't even have to work in technology to have a need for your services, right? Yeah, no, absolutely true. Every business needs uh, what we do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
That's yeah. great. Well, um, I'm super excited to dive into this topic today, Earl. So um, really when you and I were chatting about, you know, what do we focus on uh, for our conversation today? You really propose this idea around the idea of building culture and really designing intentional culture and how that can lead to high trust among teams. So I know you spent 23 plus years really trying to do that as you've grown your business and, you know, had employees come and go. I know that's something that probably all business owners think about at some point, because you have this wealth of experience, wanted to really just dive into this topic because it's also something you're really passionate about too, right? Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. Um, you know, a big part of my journey as a, as an entrepreneur and a CEO is, is that, um, I care, I care deeply about our people. I care about their families. I care about, you know, um, how we take care of them and where their kids are going to go to college and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and in that process, um, you know, you, you have to kind of figure out the right balances to help create the, the, the right outcomes and equations for all of your stakeholders. Um, you know, I think one of the, in business, oftentimes, I think we tend to overcomplicate things and particularly trying to figure out the right dynamics and, uh, among a team. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, some of the foremost experts um, around hyper-functioning teams and, and some who happen to be very close personal friends of mine, you know, that they'll ultimately tell you that really the formula comes down to a couple of very basic things. Number one, do you have high trust within your teams? And number two, does everybody have psychological safety? And that's pretty much it, man. Like, mm -hmm. like if, if people feel good at work, they trust the people that they work with. Um, they know that each other, you know, that they have each other's backs. Um, they know that the leaders have their backs. They know that they're, they're going to be taken care of and they're going to be rewarded and recognized fairly. Um, you know, uh, in the end, most people, uh, they, they, they lean into that, they enjoy it. And they, um, they also, you know, build relationships of high trust within their inner circles within the organization. And I can tell you, um, you know, I, I took kind of an unconventional path in technology in Utah, because, you know, right now the hot thing is, is SaaS and product and gadgets and things like that. And, and that's all really cool and, and, and fun and sexy. Um, I went the service route and, mm -hmm service-based businesses are no, no joke. They're not easy to scale. Yeah. Um, uh, and we're scaling at a very rapid pace right now. And what's enabled us to do that is really to nail this cultural piece mm -hmm. to really, you know, because our, our product is people, mm -hmm. our product is human capital, um, and figuring out how to create the right experience and equations for our people so that they create the right experience for our clients has been, um, the biggest part of our journey. And, um, I most definitely, I can tell you that you know, 23 years ago, 24 years ago, we did not have that nailed, right? Yeah. It's been this, this methodical process over time to figure out how we have high trust environments where everybody feels psych psychologically safe. And then we start producing, you know, at, at a much higher rate together. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's kind of been our process, man. I would say, you know, we probably really started to nail our culture eight or 10 years ago. Um, mm. And it just, improves, you know, it's not that we're, we're, we're there. I don't think culture is ever perfect. Yeah. And you know, the market changes, people change, um, you know, the world changes. And so you have to evolve 
with it. And you have to keep, uh, you know, uh, your, your finger kind of uh, on the barometer and figure out what's shifting. Why is it shifting? How do we address that shift? How do we continue to improve upon our relationships internally? And, um, it's definitely been a, you know, a journey that we continue to work on and continue to perfect. That's good. That's so good. I'm so, I mean, there's so much of what you just said that we could dive into, but one of the things that really stood out to me is I'm so glad that you talked about the differences that service businesses face, right? Where, you know, your people is, are your product, right? I think so many of our listeners come from service-based small businesses and they experience that, whether, you know, you're a restaurant or you're an HVAC company or whatever it is, right? Like your people are, your business, right? And, and that's your product. And so I think especially in those companies, culture is super important. It's important in every company, right? Because it impacts, you know, how you hire and do you hire the right people and attracting the right talent and keeping them there and retaining them. And we all know that those are issues that every small business is grappling with right now, but it's even more important, I think, in those service-based businesses, like you mentioned. So I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, it's good stuff. So what I really want to dive into on this with you is culture. Why is it often misunderstood by companies? I think, I feel like the, you know, it's, it's maybe it's just the fact that it's hard to really understand. I love how you just broke it down into two components really there where it's about psychological safety and trust among teams. But why do you think that a lot of companies have a hard time really understanding and knowing how to tackle improving culture. Yeah, totally. Um, I've been here myself, right. Um, in the journey and, and, uh, you know, when, when I, of course, culture has become a massive buzzword and, you know, become significantly more important, you know, as, um, as our workforce has evolved their emotional intelligence, uh, you know, over the past couple of decades, um, it's something that, you know, that, people we are trying to recruit and retain are looking for, right? They, they want to join a team that's got a cool vibe. Mm -hmm. They want to join a place where they can do meaningful work and they can feel fulfilled. Um, and, um, you know, 20 years ago when I started 23 years ago, when I started, that wasn't nearly as prevalent. And you, you start to hear this buzzword kind of coming around. Yes. I know, you know, 40, 50 years ago, large enterprises in corporate America were, were beginning to focus on corporate culture. Um, but it's been this evolution and it's definitely, um, has, has, um, sped up, you know, a significant pace in, in recent years. And so I think, uh, particularly in my own journey, and I see a lot of um, small and medium-sized, you know, business owners or executives kind of look at at the giants around us. You know, look at the Googles and the Apples of the world, and they go, "Well, they've got ping pong tables, and they've got um, free daycare, and all you can eat cafe, and a gym in the building, and that's culture, mm -hmm. right?" But none of those are culture. None of them are. They can be cultural support mechanisms. Mm -hmm. They might be cultural detractors if you're not careful. Um, your culture, it boils down to how you act and behave within an organization. And that all boils down to the mindsets, you know, um, how you, how you think about your work day and how you think about the people you work with and the clients you work with, um, and the workload, right? Um, really it's, it's all about, how do we actually act? How do we express ourselves? What is the mindset, you know, behind all that? Um, 
And then how do we govern based upon uh, what we express is important to us? And usually that's, you know, you, you, you have a set of declarations like, you know, uh, core values, you know, Mm -hmm. you define four or five or six, you know, core values, eight core values, maybe probably six is, 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 you know, more than a really good number, but core values, uh, vision statements, mission statements, cultural statements, you define, and that's part of, you know, cultural culture by design, right. As senior leaders sitting down and going, what do we want the vibe to be around here? And how do we want to create this environment of, of trust and psychological safety? How, How do we feel that we can back into that and reverse engineer it um, and uh, and do that through mindset and through actions and behaviors yeah. and governance, right? Um, and that's really what culture is. Um, you know, uh, if you, it, it may be all, you know, fine and dandy and cool to have a ping pong table um, and for, you know, people to get along well around that, pool t- uh, that, that ping pong table, but when they go and sit back down at their desks, if they can't stand each other and they won't talk to each other and they won't collaborate and they won't help um, each other and they won't extend, you know, a safety line to each other when, when, when they're drowning, when they're drowning, excuse me, um, you've got a problem, right? Yeah. And so it's got to be, you know, in today's hyper-functioning sort of teams and really successful businesses, the, the team has to have each other's backs and they've got to, you know, look at a, at a bigger picture. We, you know, one of our core values is the practice of growth and abundance mindset. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, we encourage and teach, you know, evangelize to look at every situation and look at the world from a very holistic view, step back, um, take your emotions out of it, you know, kick your, your EQ into high gear mm-hmm. and say, how do I create the right experience and the right outcomes for all the stakeholders in this equation? Right. Yeah. Um, and if you can kind of just keep, you know, focused on that every single day, um, you know, uh, you start to see massive shifts and people become more conscient, conscientious and more mindful about the people around them and, and the experience that they're giving to clients. And certainly the experience that we give to the community, right? That's yeah. important too. That's a stakeholder for us, right? Um, our community around us. And of course, in many businesses, you've got, you know, you got board and shareholders and other types of, you know, stakeholders that are part of that equation. And you just have to think about everybody. And, and you know, sometimes it's, sometimes I have to make some personal sacrifices because the equations need to line up for everybody. Um, nobody should be making massive sacrifice and nobody should be um, giving more than, than, you know, they, they receive. Um, but it's gotta be pretty 50, 50 and people have to start to realize and, and have a mindset shift that, um, the equation doesn't have to be slanted in my favor. Yeah. It should be, it should be aligned so that everybody's getting an equal sort of um, uh, you know, positive experience and positive outcomes out of this. That's great. Great points. Um, I'm so glad you brought up, you know, that culture is not the ping pong table or the free food, because I think a lot of times, you know, especially when people are early in their careers, they kind of get caught up in that. Like we, we kind of naturally think of those things as aligned with culture. Whereas just like you said, it's not those things like those could, those can be ways that you can add to or detract from your culture, but it's not those things. Right. And so one of the things you really mentioned that I really liked is being intentional about your culture and designing an intentional culture versus, you know, something that is a culture that comes about by default because the, regardless of whether you focus on it or not, you're going to have a culture in your company, right? So you might as well be intentional about it and design a culture that you want to have rather than one that comes about just as default. So 
I guess my next question is really, how do you do that? Like you mentioned some of those things that you're doing at your company, but how, how should a company really get started on that path of being, you know, designing an intentional culture rather than just allowing a default culture to emerge? Yeah, very good. Um, which by the way, whether you realize it or not, um, pretty much every facet of your life has a culture involved with it. Your neighborhood has a culture, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe, um, the, where you hang out with your friends has a culture, right? Your family has a culture to it. Again, your workplace has a culture. And, and the reality is in most of those environments, those cultures are, are by default. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a set of mentalities, behaviors, actions, and governance that, that just naturally happens in those spaces. Right. Um, <clears throat> And in, in few places, do people really back up and go, okay, what, what do we really want this experience to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and really that's, by the way, uh, uh, my observation, and I could be completely off, but my observation is that in a workplace, most cultures by default are not very productive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're not mindful about this process, um, I think that you usually, um, you give yourself a competitive disadvantage mm-hmm. um, and, and culture, by the way, can be a massive competitive advantage. Um, mm-hmm. But it starts at the top. It starts at senior leaders going, um, you know, what do we really want this, this vibe and this dynamic to be? And what do we want the, you know, the outcomes to be? Um, and then reverse engineering from those outcomes back to where do we need to start? Because everything starts with mindset, man. Yeah. Everything, you know, people, if they believe differently here than what they express here and how they act, it's incongruent. And that doesn't, there's, you can't sustain that, right? Yeah. Sooner or later that breaks down. And so um, culture has to start at mindset. And uh, in my opinion, but definitely in what I usually see Uh, And what I would probably encourage is for most people, most leaders to kind of look at who am I outside of the office, right? Mm -hmm. Um, What, what are the things I'm into? What do I like? You know, um, I see a lot of like cool product companies that are based around outdoor um, activities, you know, mountain biking and skating Uh and the founders oftentimes, you know, like that's their passion in life, right? So look at Look at your passions outside of business. I'm I'm passionate about business. I'm passionate about building my business, but it's not the only passion I have. I already told mm-hmm. you I'm in a rock band, right? Um, I do enjoy the outdoors. I love to travel. And so you kind of look at who am I as an individual outside of the office? What common ground do we have as a leadership unit there? Um, and how do we want to infuse that into, uh, and not only that, what are my personal core values? And sometimes as a leader, you've got to do that deep work to, mm-hmm. um, to back into that. You know, oftentimes, if we haven't been intentional in that process, we may not know. We may say, yeah, well, honesty and integrity, which everybody mm-hmm. says in their interview, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a hard worker. And, you know, we, we verbatim, you can kind of, you know, give yeah. that answer. Um, but deep in your core as an individual, what is really important to you in life? And where, where do you want to focus your development and your core impact um, and legacy in life, right? And if you can start there and then find common ground with the leadership unit on some of the other cool things that you do outside of the office and begin to say, okay, well, we want 
we want our internal culture to look like this. This is how we want, you know, mm-hmm. these are the kind of people we want to work with. And this is how we want to interact with each other. And these are, the, these are how we want those relationships to work and we want them to be healthy and productive and we want to support each other. Um, so yeah, for me, um, if you're a culture by default right now, because you haven't done any intentional work around it, get to work um, yeah. you know, and start figuring out if maybe you got to do some deep work on yourself to figure out first and then do some deep work within the organization and, 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 and look at it, you know, um, with an unbiased lens, because oftentimes um, the culture in many organizations is not healthy. And I'm not yeah. saying that Nexus IT is hundred percent all the time. Mm-hmm. We aren't, you know, we're, we're human there are bumps in the road, things come up and you just have to, you have to deal with them. And then sometimes you got to fine tune and tweak. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, we, we've got a cultural leak, you know, that COVID, for example, like COVID threw us all for a loop and, and mm-hmm. brought many cultural leaks, you know, in for our organizations, especially as we uh, transition to distributed, you know, and hybrid workforces. And, um, and so uh, you, sometimes you, you just got to figure out how to patch the sieve and you've got to fine tune and tweak along the way. Um, I know that's a lot of information, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. One thing that, you know, really emerged from what you just said for, for me is really on that piece that you talked about incongruence, right? So like if you're a company right now who hasn't spent as much time being intentional about your culture, and now you want to invest in doing that, you go through this process, how do you create a real intentional culture without it feeling fake or incongruent from what employees currently actually experience, right? Like how much of that culture should be what's actually happening and what's real versus what's aspirational for your company? Yeah. Very, very good question, Garrett. And I think this is a, a massively important point, you know, backing up real quick. This is why I suggest that you design culture around who you are as a founder or as a founding unit, right? Mm -hmm. Design culture around what's true and real to you today. Um, Because um, by the way, culture needs to start from the top. Um, And if leaders are professing something in word, or trying to govern by, you know, something that they're professing, but they don't actually live that, nor do they espouse the mindset behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you will have incongruence and whether it's consciously or subconsciously, the team will pick up on that. Mm-hmm. And that incongruence will lead to a breakdown in the culture, um, whether it's severe or whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's minor, but any detraction from culture detracts your momentum, right? Um, it slows you down. And so, uh, and it breaks down those relationships of, of trust and psychological safety. And so um, if as a leader, um, what you express isn't true, uh, that psychological safety and that trust is not going to be there with your team members, right? And mm-hmm. vice versa, you need for what they say, and how they act to be true uh, and support, you know, uh, you as well. And so um, I, you know, for me, again, no culture is perfect, right? No culture is hundred percent. And so um, yes, there's probably some aspirational statements and some aspir and like, how do you shift mindset? You talk about, you know, a target of where you want to get, right. Mm -hmm. You may not be there now. So yes, there's probably a balance. Maybe it's, and I don't know the equation, man, maybe it's 70% reality. Maybe it's 30% aspirational, right? Yeah. Um, something along those lines, maybe it's 80, 20, yeah. um, but it does need to be weighted heavier on, on the, 
on the side of what is real today. Um, and then yes, you know, any culture, you, you've got to be working towards improvement. Mm-hmm. You got to be working to shifting those mindsets so that then the actions and behaviors and the words start to line up and the governance, you know, lines up as well. So yeah, that's my thoughts on that. That's good. And if I can share just a quick example too, that just came to mind of something we did actually at our company, Eddie, about a year ago as a leadership team, we kind of revisited, you know, as the company has kind of grown and evolved, you know, what, what are our core values? What do we care most about? How do we define this culture? And, and um, we went through this process and came up with, you know, four or five core values. And one of those was more aspirational. We didn't, we, we, we saw some elements of it and we knew it was important to us, but we didn't necessarily, we knew it was something we needed to continue working on as an organization. The rest were core and inherent, but this one was more aspirational. It was really around gratitude. How can we be more grateful and express that gratitude? And so then in our systems, we implemented ways to, you know, make that more apparent. So as an example, you know, as we start all of our like executive team meetings, we all go around and express, you know, one thing that we're grateful for right there. And that kind of came from our CEO, which I love. It's, it's something that, you know, there was some truth to it, but it was more aspirational. And then we looked for ways to kind of embed it more in our culture. And it's really become a core part of now after, you know, 12, 18 months, a core part of like who we are and what we do. And that's bled through the rest of the organization, you know? So awesome. Such a, such a really great example. And I love the, the idea of, you know, that gratitude sort of round table thing in, in executive meetings. And you're, you're absolutely right. You know, um, there are targets you need to reach within a culture. Um, and, um, again, the, the modeling of those targets have to start at the top. Mm-hmm. You need the executive leadership team to say, okay, well, we want to, we want, we want to create more gratitude. We want to create this cool vibe of like, everybody loves each other and, you know, we're supporting each other and we're, we're thankful for what each, you know, how we're, how we're receiving and giving that support. Right. Uh, and so therefore as, as leaders, we need to start that. We need to start that in our own little organism, our own unit. And then we need yeah. to, you know, trickle that down throughout the the team. Um, so yeah, modeling. And by the way, and this is, you got to do this in life too. Like yeah. when, when you want to reach a new pinnacle, you've got to start modeling the, the correct mindsets and behaviors behind that, the correct words behind that. You've got to create the right habits. Right. And, um, and so that's part of it. Yes. You know, you, you need targets to work towards, you need to start as a leadership unit to work towards those. And then you need to teach and evangelize those, but you need to, you need to lead by example. You yeah. need to show people what that means to you. Right. Yeah. That's great. Awesome. Well, Earl, as, um, as we kind of get close to wrapping up here, I'm curious is, um, what, what would you recommend for those who are listening out there who want to strengthen their culture and be more intentional, be more intentional about designing, you know, an intentional culture rather than that culture by default, like we talked about, um, where should they start and what are, what's the encouragement or benefits that you've seen from really focusing on this? Yeah. You know, in, in business, uh, for me, usually um, I would start with a gap analysis, right? So try to figure out if you can get your team to engage with some sort of anonymous, you know, type of of feedback mechanism where they can tell you what their perception of of culture is now. Um, And then you begin to create your targets of where you want 
culture to be, right? Mm-hmm. What what should it be? Um, again, you've got to start to sit down as a leadership unit and actually be intentional and actually start to put some some words uh, behind this and, and design it. Um, uh, but you got to figure out, you know, there, there's there's going to be a gap. And so you've got to start to figure out how to close that gap. And, and you know, again, closing that gap is usually has got to revolve around trust and psychological safety. Um, and so, um, uh, it, it's just starting there. And, and by the way, if you don't know how to do this kind of stuff, um, there are plenty of consultants, you know, and I know mm-hmm. consultants that can help with this kind of stuff. If anybody wants to reach out, um, I know people that, you know, that work specifically on helping to define, um, define the gaps in culture, define what, where you want to go with it, and then help you build um, the right plans to get there, right? And, and the right cultural support mechanisms within your organization and all that kind of stuff. And it's a, like anything in business, it's a matter of trial and error. It's A-B testing. It's try, you know, it's, it's a, you do little tweaks along the way and you test them out and you see if it helps. Right. And, and if it doesn't, you get rid of it and you try something different, mm-hmm. a different initiative. Right. Um, we're constantly, you know, kind of uh, little different cultural support mechanisms. We don't want to do too much because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't disrupt people's, mojo too much right yeah. in, in in their day-to-day but uh you know every quarter or so we're kind of like well, let's try something different and let's see what that does and what results it gives us um uh, by the way just you know you asked about why yeah why does it matter right um because there's definitely an old school um you know um thought uh, you know uh um where it's just kind of like, let's just do business and forget about all the, all the nuances and mm-hmm. like, you know, these little intricacies and this is all, you know, hippie woo woo stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and like, I, I get that, you know, yeah. I, I was probably in that old school camp, you know, early on in my days. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I can tell you unequivocally, um, uh, first of all, if you want to have good relationships with people, which, why not have great relationships with people that you spend half of your life with, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, you know, you, you've got to start working on a productive culture that produces the right results and outcomes and, and experiences for everybody. Um, but just tangibly when, when you have a better culture in an organization, when people feel good, they enjoy the work they do, they feel fulfilled. They like the people they're working with. They, they perform, they produce, they create the outcomes that are needed for your business, for your clients and for, for your, your team members. Right. And so, uh, if you want to be more successful, nailing culture is definitely a massive part of that equation. And I can tell you as we've, um, nailed our culture, that has been one of the, 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 the main keys to our success, hmm. um, and being able to grow and scale and particularly in a service-based business, you know, yeah like hiring for cultural fit, you know, making sure that people are ready day one to like, you know, dovetail right in and and to move forward. Doesn't mean they're again, they maybe not hundred percent, but they're 70 or 80% the way there. And, and they love the fact that they're given the opportunity to, um, to backfill that 30%, you know, and, um, and hone their, their skills and their capabilities and their mindset. And, and they want to do that, right. They want to grow uh, and be part of it. So um, uh, why do it? because you're going to be more successful, you know, I mean, like yeah. just transparently, but then like, you know, you're going, you are as a leader are going to have a much better experience. A lot of the problems you deal with in, in business and HR and with people 
they can be cleaned up as long as you have a good culture and you don't have to deal with a lot of them. It doesn't mean all of them, but a lot of them can go away. And I can attest to that, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, I dealt with a lot more HR problems than I do today. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, you know, people have a better experience in the workplace now. Yeah. Love it. Amen to everything you just said. So good. Earl, this has been such an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to share, you know, your experiences and your knowledge with us on this topic. As we get close to wrapping up here, one of the last questions I like to ask all of our guests on the show is just what's one thing that you think our listeners should do this week to improve their HR or people functions? Um, I, w- I would suggest um, take a deep look at your interpersonal relationships within within your organization and and start to model how you can create more trust and more psychological safety in those. Um, that one exercise and just being mindful and starting to change, you know, a little bit um, your words and your actions and your deeds and your mindset will begin, you know, to make shifts that make ripples and, and you'll start to see those ripples have a, a larger effect within your department and then within the, the organization as a whole, um, you know, Every stakeholder in in uh, in a workplace is important to corporate culture. Every stakeholder can either be a contributor or they can be a detractor. Mm-hmm. So choose to be a contributor. Look at yourself. Look at what you need to change and start changing. Love it. Great, great tip. And last question I have for you, Earl, is if there are listeners who want to get in contact with you, either to learn more about how they could leverage your services there at Nexus IT, or if they have follow-up questions on this, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Um, uh, look for me on LinkedIn, Earl Foote, uh, CEO of Nexus IT. Um, on the web, we're at nexusitc.net. Uh, locally here in Utah, our, um, our number is 801-839-7006. There is a toll-free number for outside of Utah, but I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> That's okay. We'll drop all that information into the show notes so you can find that there if you're listening. So Earl, thanks again so much for joining the show today. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me, Garrett. It's been such a pleasure. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often, small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll, and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline, deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.